welcome to the Book Trade View podcast. I'm Sarah McDooling and I am super excited to be here today, my colleague Eden Samuel, to talk to Tobias Madden. Hi, Tobias. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Now, um, I know I speak for both Eden and myself when I say we've, we've fallen deeply in love with your book. Um, but for all the people listening who haven't maybe had a chance yet to read anything about Fine, could you just outline a little bit what it's about? Yes. Yeah, so Anything But Fine is about a 16-year-old ballet dancer called Luca Mason, who's incredibly gifted and has his sights set on becoming a professional ballet dancer, uh, until he falls down a flight of stairs at his dance studio and shatters all the bones in his left foot um, and has to give up dancing. So after that happens, he's kind of, you know, already incredibly upset about the whole thing. And then he loses his uh, performing arts scholarship to his very fancy private school and has to move to the local public school down the road. So he kind of has to say goodbye, not only to ballet, but to all of his friends and his school and kind of everything he knows and start from scratch um, at 16, which is not really something that anyone wants to do. Um, But from there, he, you know, navigating this new life, he kind of makes new friends and falls in love for the first time and all of these other things that all teens go through um, on this kind of journey that he's on to sort of figure out who he is without ballet. Um, I know that you've edited the wonderful um, Love Oswey short stories, what is the word for it, that wonderful book called Underdog, but this is your debut um, novel. What has your experience been like being a debut author, getting into that space? Um, I mean, for me, it's been really lovely in general. I guess, you know, I've, I've sort of been through the whole process during 2020 and 2021, which are pretty strange years and very weird times to be celebrating, you know, big things like this. Um, but everyone, you know, the whole community is just so supportive. And, um, you know, I have a, a brilliant agent who always has my back and has been so helpful. And then um, since I signed on with Penguin, um, the, the team there has just been so amazing. They're just so patient and so lovely. And so, you know, they're not afraid to answer any of my kind of silly debut author questions and stuff like that. They've all just been really great and really supportive. And um, kind of their enthusiasm for the book has just been really, really lovely, sort of from day one, just knowing that they were completely on board with the story and completely on my side. and. Um, they've been, yeah, really kind of going above and beyond to make me feel comfortable and, and to get this book out into the hands of readers, which has been just, yeah, really, really lovely. Can you tell us a little bit about um, when you first knew that you wanted to write and where your inspiration or anything but fine came from? Yeah, so as in when I first wanted to write in general? Yeah, yeah, both, both things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think... It's, it's really funny. Obviously, I spent most of my life as an actor. Um, but when I was a kid, I wrote all the time. And I have like, um, you know, in air quote books that I wrote when I was very young um, that mum still has at home and that I stumbled upon a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, my God, did I when did I do all this? It seems like a really almost like a different person sort of did all of that when I was a kid. Because once I had discovered dancing and singing and acting and got into that kind of theatre world, that was very all consuming as it kind of has to be to sort of make a career in that space. You have to give it your everything. And so there was 
a, a very big gap sort of probably from um, year 12 until almost 10 years later, I think, um, that I didn't write a single word. I barely even read any books in that time, to be honest, um, which horrifies me now. <laughs> the thought of that. <laughs> I'm just like, what was I doing with my spare time? Oh, my goodness. Um, but I was just so focused on, you know, auditions and shows and my work that it just wasn't on my radar. I did read a lot of scripts for plays and musicals, so it's not like I wasn't reading at all. Um, but, yeah, I didn't write in that time at all. And once my um, theatre career sort of seemed to be slightly on the down and I was finding it harder to get jobs as I got a bit older, um, I kind of started looking for other creative outlets. And part of me was like, I think I used to like writing. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try that again. Maybe one day I'll write a book. And I sort of just set that as a kind of very silly goal um, in about 2014 or 15, I think, um, and sort of got back into it. And when I do things, I kind of don't do them by half. So I went very hard um, learning kind of all the, the art of short story writing and all of this stuff. And I wrote hundreds of short stories and entered a few competitions and never won anything, obviously, or anything like that. Um, and submitted to some journals and all of those sort of things that you do, um, which never <laughs> amounted to anything at all. Um, but then eventually I did write my first um, full-length kind of novel manuscript um, in 2017, uh, which will probably never see the light of day. And um, that was a young adult fantasy book, um, which has some really, really cool elements, to be honest. Like there are some things about it that I... Even, even now it. back on. It's the only thing I want to read now. Why, why would you mention it and then say we can't read it? I mean, one day maybe. I think it would need a considerable rewrite. Um, but there are some things I really love about it. And I think going on that journey, I'd planned like a full trilogy of this young adult fantasy. Um, and I've still got it all in my moleskin journals or my notes and all of that sort of stuff. But um, going on that journey just... I think kind of taught me everything I needed to know about writing a book, even though that one may not necessarily be publishable. Um, and I took that, you know, as far as I possibly could, I, you know, queried a bunch of agents and submitted to a couple of publishers and got some really helpful feedback and, and stuff like that. Um, and one of the agents who did give me some feedback on that manuscript ended up uh, being my agent now, my literary agent. Um, so that, kind of was a nice full circle moment. Um, but yeah, so that's my very long-winded answer to when did I decide I wanted to write. Um, <laughs> and then the inspiration for Anything But Fine came um, while I was in the very kind of final stages of editing the Underdog Anthology, um, which for anyone who doesn't know was a short story anthology for Australian authors who were unpublished but wanting to sort of break into the industry in some way. Um, and so when I was writing my story for that anthology, which is also about a ballet dancer, um, that was the first contemporary thing I'd ever written. Everything I'd ever written had always been fantasy or sci-fi or some kind of magic realism. And I just enjoyed it so much. I just, there was something about writing about dance, obviously, which is something that is incredibly dear to me. And, um, you know, that kind of country town setting, which is where I grew up, that just, just felt really right. And it just felt like my kind of natural voice as a writer kind of was really able to come through on the page. And so I decided, you know, why not write a full length manuscript about a dancer? And then um, 
not long after that, the kind of the first line for the story popped into my head, um, which is the second it happens, I know my life is over. And once I had that, the rest of the story honestly just fell into place quite easily around it in terms of plot. Um, and then, yeah, I guess the rest is history. Paul Luca, you're really putting through the ringer. Um, this is, so one thing I really love about this book is this idea of having everything that you had planned for your life suddenly kind of taken away from you and, and what do you, where do you go from there? Um, is that something you think, did you draw from life in that respect, having gone through a few different careers yourself? Like is that mind space of like starting from scratch? Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting because when I was writing the book, so um, sort of from the very end of 2018 through 2019, I was in a massive transition phase myself where I had decided to stop auditioning for shows and I left my agency um, and I was doing a bunch of um, different kind of part-time jobs, a bit of teaching, a bit of random um other casual work um, and things just to sort of get by and sort of trying to find um, a way into the publishing industry in terms of work as well. Um, and I was generally just incredibly lost and it was, it was quite a difficult period in my life, just sort of, I just felt very much in limbo and with no direction and no idea where I was going. And so I was going through that when I was writing the book, but I didn't realise that at the time so I wrote this whole book about this dancer kind of coming to terms with his identity when dance is taken away from that, when I was going through the same thing, but not honestly not realising that I was potentially putting some of my own experiences into that story. Um, and then it wasn't until looking back when I was pitching to publishers and stuff that I, that I kind of had this light bulb moment of, oh my gosh, did I... <laughs> did I write this about what I was going through? Like it, it just, it honestly blew my mind that I hadn't thought of it because now it just seems so obvious. And I, I, I'm sure that everyone I tell this story to doesn't believe me, but I just honestly didn't know. And my subconscious <laughs> was kind of doing all this work in the background. It's yeah, I, I find it baffling and very interesting. <laughs> I love that. I'm like a sucker for the acknowledgement section and <laughs> like a big part of, the, I read the whole thing, of course I did, and a big part of the story is like friendship and how that helps Luca transition and grow into, you know, his new surroundings and himself. Um, and this is more of a fun question, but you know, you look at where he had come from and Grace is an absolute sweetheart, but obviously <laughs> he had some friends there that weren't the best, that weren't the best. Um, then he has Amina, who is just like absolute sunshine, <laughs> and I'm in love with her. Like she loves One Direction. When you when that part, I was squealing. I was like, "This is me, the person." <laughs> Everyone um, should have an Amina in their life. I feel right, so definitely. She's the best. She's the best. Um, what do you think makes a good friend? Like, what are some qualities of a good friend? Um, yeah, I think that like it's a really interesting question. I think that Luca definitely goes on a journey um, with his kind of idea of friendship. Because like you said, he's coming from this world where, you know, his dance friends, they're obviously close and they spend an incredible amount of time together, but they're, they're competitive. There's kind of that edge to it where they're trying to one up each other, which is not always a bad thing in a friendship that can be motivating and stuff as well. But, you know, it's, 
it's kind of clear that some of those friends very much have their own agenda and kind of they're the star of their own story and it's kind of everyone is there to support them. Whereas I think what Luca learns, you know, from spending time with Amina, who just is so generous and so lovely and so many amazing things that we all, you know, should strive to be. I think he learns that, you know, those friendships really are more about a give and a take and you, yes, you need someone to support you, but then you also have to support them. And I think that's not something that Luca is necessarily used to having to do because, you know, he's been so driven and so motivated and, and aiming for this one thing that being around Amina, he sort of realizes, God, there's all these things that I don't know that I should know to be a good person, you know, and to be a good friend. And I haven't been doing them and I should be doing them. And I think, um, yeah, it's just that thing of really being there for each other whenever you need them and to, you know, that complete judgment free space, I think is really important. And Amina gives that to Luca because, you know, there are things that Luca says sometimes that are kind of borderline offensive or you know what or just very yeah. he's a little bit ignorant sometimes you know but and amina you know is so generous with herself and her time and gives him the space to kind of you know to catch up and and she doesn't judge him for that and you know and he doesn't judge her and it's just you know it's a really lovely relationship i love how you said that you would work closely with annie to like bring that character to life because I was like I really met that wonderful person once but I could see so much of her in that character I was like oh totally yeah and like there's it's funny like there's so much of me in Amina as well like her nerdiness and her love of you know (laughs) highlighters and timetables like that I feel like so many of us can identify with that but Annie you know was so vital in bringing kind of authenticity to Amina's character and and again Annie is such a generous beautiful person and for her to sort of share her time you know um in that way was just was just so wonderful and and so helpful and and amina honestly wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that kind of help that annie gave me right right at the beginning you know um i want to ask one of those questions which is actually just an excuse for me to say a bunch of things i like about the book and then tack a question (laughs) on the end of it so what i want to say is this book is such a beautiful coming of age story it's got such a great diverse cast of characters it's like deals with themes of identity and belonging and it's really just it's so Australian um I'm so excited for all of the young people who are going to have this book for them when they're this in this target age group but I wanted to ask you when you were growing up what were your favorite sort of coming of age books um, gosh, I don't really even know, to be honest. I, I'm just trying to think. It's a long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> um, books that I loved when I was younger. Um, oh, do you know what book I really, really loved when I was a kid? I think I read it in maybe grade six. Um, it's a book called Hatchet by Gary Paulson. Which yeah. It's probably quite obscure for teens now, but I actually did notice that it's on the um, indie bestseller list in America at the moment. I'm not sure why, um, but it's made its way back on. And it's it's this book, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a book about a kid who is in a plane crash in the forest in Canada or somewhere in North America and has to literally learn to fend for himself. And 
it just, it was the first thing I'd ever read like that, that put a teenager in that kind of position where they were suddenly completely in, in control of their own life in the realist sense of the word. Um, and I just remember being so, so blown away by watching this kid kind of learn to handle himself in nature and survive and all of that stuff. I, yeah, that one really stuck with me. I have a, like the original copy on my shelf still, um, which I love it. Yeah, it's such a good book. Actually, I might reread that. <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a great book. I remember reading it as well um, in school, and it continues to be in Australia as well, taken up by a lot of schools. We see high sales for that book come through. Oh, awesome! Yeah, what an excellent pick. Timeless, timeless tale of survival. I was going to ask, what do you think is one of the most challenging? things about writing for young adults. Um, we're in a time where there's so much more diversity in books and I love to see it. Um, and you're balancing out so many incredible themes of like belonging, friendship, finding yourself and your friends and your group, your people. Um, how do you balance all those things out while being relatable to like everyone, if that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I guess there's, there's a lot of challenges and I think um, a lot of it comes down to, I guess, trying to maintain um, the authenticity for all the characters in so many different ways, whether it's, you know, because I think teen readers and young adult readers can see through any kind of smoke and mirrors just immediately. Like immediately if you're trying to talk down to them or pull the wool over their eyes in any way, they just know. So I feel like it's really, it's a definitely a challenge to sort of get to that level where it's all just very honest and authentic and everything is just kind of on the page and you're not, yeah, not trying to talk down and not trying to be didactic or teach them things. Because again, like you can feel that as soon as someone is trying to push a point of view on you, you can feel that so clearly. So I feel like it's just trying to give all the characters, you know, their own voice and their own space to sort of, tell their own stories and and in that you know trying to write um a cast with you know diverse characters on all kinds of the all kinds of senses of the word you know it takes a lot of research and a lot of talking to people and a lot of listening to people as well and kind of taking in all of those different points of view and you know again i was really lucky um working with penguin that we employed a few sensitivity readers and authenticity readers to, to kind of check things um, before it was too late to change them as well, which is always really good. Um, and yeah, it's just trying to make it accessible for everyone, but also telling the story you want to tell, I guess. it's there's a, I think there's a lot of challenges in writing for young adults, but I also think that it's a really beautiful thing. Um, and because those books, you know, end up being so special for some people, um, when they get to see themselves on the page like that, it can be, you know, really life-changing when you're in your kind of early teens and late teens. So I think it's um, really important that we all kind of lean into those challenges and really keep pushing the boundaries as much as we can, which is sometimes uncomfortable. And I'm certain that there are things that I will get wrong and continue to get wrong, but will continue to, you know, try and do better and learn more and, and keep keep things going so that we are kind of representing the world we live in, you know. What an eloquent answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Can we talk about romance? Because yes, the beautiful <laughs> romance in this book is just oh my god! It's it's just the fluttery first love feeling and the awkwardness of it is just so beautifully done. Like, how did you do that? <laughs> um, I think I don't know if you know. I don't know if any of us will ever forget those feelings that we had when we were teenagers because those all of those first no matter what they are, I, I don't know, for me, they're so vivid. Um, and I can very easily put myself back in my teenage shoes and feel those kind of feelings. I don't know if everyone can, but I don't know. There's just those experiences for me are so painfully vivid that I can just very easily return myself to them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I think I was really lucky that, you know, I had these characters that I cared for deeply and so it was quite easy to make them care for each other in that way as well I guess you know they're they're so awkward and so messy and everyone gets so many things wrong and is just trying their best and you know it's that I love writing romance I find it so satisfying to sort of put two people in the room and and you know that they have those feelings feelings for each other but then how do you navigate that like it's such a such an awkward thing. And especially I think for the queer teens, you know, who are dealing with their own identity as well, on top of trying to deal with all of those feelings, there's just so much to process. And I think it just leads to really kind of beautiful, honest moments between the characters. If you, you know, kind of delve into that and just, yeah, it's, it's something I really love to write. And I hope that it comes across on the page. Oh my God. It's, it's breathlessly beautiful. And the thing I found so great about it is that often when when a story is kind of romance-powered, um, it's hard if you don't get both perspectives of the story because obviously a romance is the, it's the coming together of two people and if you're only getting one side of it, sometimes it can be really hard to really feel it to the level that I felt it in this book. So I think that... To me, one of the most impressive things was that we love Luca from the first sentence of this book and we're with him throughout this whole story. And so I'm 100% engaged with Luca. I also felt really keenly for Jordan, even though Jordan's behaviour is often a little bit painful for Luca. And so, like, you would think that it would be a little bit harder to um, really feel his side of this romance, but I never was in any doubt of how wonderful he was and how much he just wanted to all work out. Did you find that difficult, not being able to write his point of view or or no? Um, I have never written anything with multiple points of view. Um, so it's not something that, yeah, that I've explored yet. And I think it would be really fun, but you're right. I think in a romance, it's so great to be able to see both sides and see what they're both thinking um but I think you know it really is Luca's story and as much as Jordan features in it a great deal it's kind of about how Luca approaches that kind of friendship and relationship and all of that sort of stuff but I do think like you said you know it's Jordan is not always doing the best things by Luca but it's kind of I feel hopefully, you know, his actions come across in a way that, you know, you understand why he's not necessarily doing the right thing. And I think 
you know, a lot of the stuff for Jordan is about that kind of grey area, which is something I love writing about where, you know, it's the lines between right and wrong get very blurry sometimes, especially dealing with, you know, teens who are not out and trying to preserve their own identity and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But there's so many grey areas there. And I think, you know, Luca doesn't always do the right thing either. So I feel like that balance it's a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a push and pull. Um, but I think we see enough of um, of Jordan in that kind of, you know, good and beautiful light to, to get us by when he's also stumbling over those awkward moments and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think honestly in this story, it probably is easier to only see it from Luca's perspective because if we had Jordan's perspective, um, that might give too many things away too soon as well. I think that the build um, probably works better in a sense when we only have it from through Luca's eyes. Oh, it works so well. Um, you, you made me cry several times, in fact. In a good way. A mess. <laughs> it, was, it was like really late at night, and I was like, "Oh no!" And I, turned I know, to same. <laughs> I was just, I was just, you know, when you're reading and tears are just rolling down, but you're also smiling. It was a situation yes. like that. Oh, I love that. There's stuff that, that you so cry up at as well. Like it's hilarious in parts, and then you're crying in the next chapter. You're like, "How, how are you doing this?" Today? Oh my god! Yes, it's so funny. That I like. I don't want to spoil anything, but. Keeping things spoiler free, there is an instance during the book where someone has to apologize to someone, and it is done in a wonderful <laughs> way. And I was, I was laughing so much. That was a great, great moment. Oh, thank you. I do, I do love that. And like, I, I won't lie. There are some parts that even when I read it now, and I've read it nine million times at this point, um, there are still a couple of parts that make me laugh, and there's one that still makes me cry a little bit, um, which. I don't know, maybe that just makes me a little self-obsessed, but there's just, I don't know. I just, I just love the character so much. And there's a couple of bits that still just really, really get me. Oh, that's beautiful. There's also a really great, actually, look, I, I can't keep talking about the bits I like because I'll spoil them for everyone. We'll save it for after. I was about to say one, so I'll do it. You can't. I feel like you and I are ready to see this book adapted like into a film or a tv series <laughs> yes <laughs> we were like debating who we would cast as Luca and Jordan but we would love to know do you have anyone in mind I actually don't um I would love nothing more than to see it adapted I feel like um I feel like you know the the dialogue in the book is kind of my favorite part and to see that kind of transported onto the screen I just you know I would die a very happy man if that happened um but no I don't yeah I don't know I I don't really have anyone in particular in mind if you guys do then by all means we'll send you a list. Yeah. yeah yeah please. we were throwing around a lot of ideas I find I couldn't think of anyone that would work for Luca though like yeah, I don't know we'd have yeah, to like just create some perfect creature I don't know there's a couple of um, there's a couple of brilliant ballet dancers uh, that I follow on Instagram who are kind of in their early careers um, with ballet companies, and a couple of them I do see, and I'm like, oh, that could definitely be Luca, and I do think it would it would have to be someone who is a dancer because dancers, um, you know, 
even just the way they hold themselves. And there's a lot of that kind of in the book about about Luca, you know, knowing that he that his body is kind of only perfect for ballet and the way that it's developed as a child, you know, he's he can't do any kind of remotely cool dancing and all of that sort of stuff because of the way his body is and his posture and stuff. So I do feel like it would probably have to be someone who who actually is a dancer. Well, cast a dancer. They it, it will be their first acting role. I can't wait. <laughs> It, it seems I would love to see it adapted. It would lend itself so well to like a six episode TV show. Yeah. So oh my goodness. The powers that be are listening. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now we, we are sort of running a little bit short on time. So I will ask a question that we, we always love to hear from authors is what you've got coming up next. Um, so I am working on what will hopefully become book two. It's finished um, and I'm kind of getting ready to sort of send it off and um, have some other people read it. And hopefully um, it will soon become another published book. Um, it's another contemporary young adult story. Um, it's basically set in the same kind of world. So it's set in Ballarat again, that kind of country town and drawing upon some of the knowledge that we have from anything but fine about kind of the politics between the schools and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but completely separate characters. It's a whole new cast. Um, and I don't know how much I can say about this this one yet, but it kind of combines my two greatest loves as a teenager, uh, which were computer games and community theatre. So it's, um, it's very fun. I had so much fun working on it and I really hope that it becomes a book because, um, yeah, I think it's really fun. Oh, that sounds amazing. That and your quote-unquote will never see the light of day uh, fantasy <laughs> novel are all I'm really interested in reading right now. <laughs> uh, yes, we'll see if that one ever comes out of the draw. Um, it may. We'll see. Well, Tobias, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you for um, having me. It's been so fun to chat. Oh, my gosh. Come back anytime. And um, for everyone listening, you can grab your copy of Everything is Fine by Tobias Madden at your local bookstore or online at Booktopia. Thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget... You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.